No, that was Chikatita by Abba. And just our, our technical team have just told us we have more listeners all over the world. We have them in USA, Canada, and South Africa, I think, as a regular listener. So process of elimination here, we think that it could be Derek Malone, who is a neighbor of our next guest. Uh, we are delighted to welcome in studio this morning Tommy Holland, a local man with a great interest in history. Morning, Tommy. Morning, Tommy. Good morning, ladies. Good to have you here. I think you've been in studio in Scarif a few times with us, but we, we decided we'd come to you this morning instead of the other way around. A few times. <laughs> and I'd like to welcome you back to your roads, Marie. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, Tommy, I suppose we're here really to talk about your, your interest in, uh, you know, and to tell us all about Holland's Key. You know, it must be great to have a key named after you, is it? And tell us a little bit about it and how it developed and, you know, when you came here and what it was used for the story of it, really. Yeah, well, the, the story is Holland's Key. It's a bit complicated because it started out with Holland's Key and then it changed its name in the around 1900s to, to Williamstown Key. Now okay. we can walk that one out again why it was called Williamstown Key because the chief headman of the steam company that took off working on the River Shannon from uh, was Y Williams. Oh well, that oh, answers yeah. that. <laughs> well, yeah, and then they built another harbour that was and it was called Williamstown Harbour. Yes. So between Hollands turned out to be Williamstown Key and then Williamstown Harbour. Okay. So a bit confusing. Yes, yes. okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll, you'll tell us all about it anyway. How did it start? Tell us, Holland's well, Key. It, it started in Northgrove Harbour, where I was born, always had a key. And I was doing that was for sailing boats and turf boats or bringing more or less pleasure craft, I suppose, okay. or wood yeah. money, had sailing boats that time, uh, half-tickers and things like that. So that was always there. And then uh, and a, a Scottish civil engineer by the name of John Rennie was asked, uh, and he was designing Hoth Harbour and Dunleary Harbour. Whoa! And he was there, and he probably saw the Shannon and the prospects and the, and what could happen if trade or commerce could start on the River Shannon. So he asked and a friend of his, John Grantham, to do a survey of the Shannon, which he did from Loophead all the way up the Shannon. It must have taken him years to do it. That's a big area. Yeah. yeah, and then he produced a place of maps. I got some photographs. They're all in place. Lockdown could be in two halves. It would be from Killaloo to... Well, I live in Williamstown and probably called out the Y Willems as well or maybe some King of England at some stage <laughs> yeah. and uh, so we're roughly 12 miles up the lake and there's probably 12 more miles to Portumna Right, okay So um, there, I got uh, there are plates in, the, in Dublin in the National Museum and I got permission 20 years ago or 30 years ago to photograph them because our name was on that Right Where, yeah. they, had, where they had built Keys. Okay. So very good. Um, John Grantham then started. He said he would. He'd done the survey of the Shannon, and uh, he decided to get a steamboat. But he sold it to Y. Willems, who became the chief operator then for all the steamboats. Okay. And actually, then the steamboats went to, on the Grand Canal to Dublin, and from Dublin to Liverpool, and. The same company is still working the uh, the, the um, uh, liner fleets across the Atlantic. Really? Yeah, the continuation of those. So it was a very, very busy harbour down there all those years ago. Unbelievable as the years went by. 
Yeah, so then uh, it came up then in the House of Commons in, in 1830 uh, why Williams was brought in for a select committee to answer questions. Uh, I thought that was only a modern thing. <laughs> it was happening a long time ago. It was happening wasn't it? a long time ago. <laughs> and where they had built harbours on Loch Derg okay. and on the Shannon. Yeah. And they had built, and he answers the question, he had built in Killaloo, Drummondier, uh, Mota, which is in Ballanderry, Kilbarn, Sidons, and Hollands. Okay. And they were preparing, they were ready, or had started to build in Scarif and Terry Glass and Gary Kennedy. Right. You you gave me a copy of that. This is the minutes we have it here, the minutes of evidence before the select committee. It's very formal altogether. In 18... 14th of May, 1830. 1830, yes. So I just think that your harbour was mentioned over in the House of Commons. Commons. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and they built, uh, and uh, why they got our harbour there, w- you couldn't own land in Ireland at that time. Of course. So my great-grandfather, I don't know many greats is in the brain, but uh, <laughs> 1820, subleased it again, because land, our land was leased, we didn't buy it until the late 1800s, 1890, you couldn't own land in okay. Ireland. So he subleased the area, the part of the key to the steam company, this Y. Willem steam company. Right. And I don't know what they paid for it, but they built uh, an entrance. There's a 14-foot uh, iron gate, a lovely sunrise iron gate, and it would... Uh, it had gone into the station there. Yes. I repaired it, brought back to life again 20 or 30 years ago. So that continued on, and trade... Uh, just started and steamboats called to all the steam companies from Killaloo every second day, six days a week it came from Killaloo to Banar. Koi. And, and what were they bringing on the, on the steamboats? Everything and anything. Passenger, they started out as as uh, passenger, as the passengers and, and yeah. tours and then they, they, got, uh, they got goods and they started bringing goods and passengers. And they'd leave Killaloo in the morning at 7 o'clock and they were at our key. They'd either go to Drummondier and Terry Glass and Mota on the, on the odd days and come to front Islands and uh, Portumna on the other days. And we were the only harbour at that, that stage on the western side Gosh. of the law, of the lake. And for people that were emigrating now, Tommy, would they have got that boat to go to wherever to, to go on the next yes. le- leg well, of their journey. And that's what they'd done, that's what they had to do. And they'd probably go to Killaloo and there was a steamboat from Killaloo to Limerick as well. Okay. Or else go to the, the railway line in Ballinaya, Killaloo, right. and then go to Cove, okay, which that most was, that of them did. The sad yeah. part That's of what it. I was going to say. Part. So there's a bit yeah. of sadness yeah. about it as well, yeah. isn't oh, there? Oh, yeah. A lot of families said goodbye yeah. kind of at the keys. Yeah. And, and they never have seen them Many again. of the families have come back and... Uh, it was an American wake at the, that night, uh, okay. the night before at their home. Yeah. And then if the families were near, they probably came down to say goodbye, goodbye to course. them, never yeah. to see them again. Yeah, heart gosh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. heartbreaking is right. Yeah. And there's no mementos or anything down there, is there, of anything of that time? Any stones or anything? There's nothing, you know. No, the harbour is there. Yeah. The yeah. Oh, I know, the but nothing, is there you know, and, nothing and, with and, names on it or people yeah. that left from there or anything. No, but yeah. we know that people, a lot oh, of people okay. have come back and, really? and researched their history. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, nice which, to have a list of that. Yeah. Which is yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. 
yeah. So, gosh, and you know, you gave me this yesterday evening. It's to do with all the grain that was exported from there. Oh, so that's unbelievable. Like, yeah. we had a famine, we're jumping onto the famine. But, uh, what started the immigration was a Richard Talbot in North Tipperary. They had been the Protestant descendants, he will say, that had money. And they were the first immigrants to go nearly leave Ireland. And they, he started, and they were all going to Quebec in Canada because there was land to be got in. Quebec and Northern Canada. Okay. And so they, he went and he brought a lot of families. And there was a, a John Boucher in Mount Shannon who took up that offer to the £10 deposit scheme that they, I suppose they had to pay it back because these people had a certain amount of money. Of they were able to pay back the £10. Whether it was state-sponsored or not, I don't know, and pay back, paid back. Okay. But a John Boucher in Mount Shannon decided to go and left for Canada. Now, he either went walk to Killaloo or walked down to Orkey. Yeah. Now, Fishkibbin uh, Hensey, just at the back of your own house, Marie, there was a harbour there, there was a steam company harbour there. Okay. And there okay. was a harbour there just in front of TJ Callan. Yes, yes, there. yes. And down the D4 there. of Scarif, yes. The D4 yeah. of Scarif. <laughs> I'm just thinking there, when you say Boucher, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, there is a Boucher Park there, kind of opposite Branga Higgins House. Isn't that it's Boucher Park up that way? As far as I'm aware. Well, maybe so. We call it Boucher Park. Yeah. Boucher. Ger Hogan's mother was Boucher. Oh, okay. So there's still a local there's connection. There's still a local yeah. connection. And he, went, he decided to go, but Jay Reid... The landlord, the local landlord, uh, wrote to the uh, Secretary of State at the Colonial Office uh, complaining that, that this, this £10 deposit scheme was, uh, was endeavouring to, to get rid of his tenants and depriving him of his rent. Oh, oh. gosh. Because they were going on to pastures. No. Because he was yeah. leaving and he was always yeah. to get somebody else in to rent the gosh. land. So that continues yeah. uh, because uh, there's a great and um, they all went to Canada then and the next family a lot of families went into Canada. Yes, yes. yeah. And yeah. there's a great book if anyone wants to know about Irish migrants in Canada and there's a new approach by Bruce S. Elliot and there's McGill and Queen's University Press, Kingston and Montreal and I see and that time in Mount Shannon this was around 1836, there were 160 Protestant families in Mount Shannon and 28 of them immigrated, of those families, to Canada. Right, okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of, a lot of immigration. So that was the, main, that was the yeah. beginning of the immigration. The Irish, the native Irish weren't going Yes. Such that time. Yes, yes, yes. Because okay. They hadn't the money to of go. Course, there was yeah. no need to yeah. go. Or I don't know. But they had no family to go over. To they had probably. no family yeah. to go to. Mm. And uh, so mm. that was the. And then Canada closed. They got to up to a hundred acres. You could get whatever I suppose in Canada. Lots of free land to be got. Gosh. Yeah. In Canada, and that stopped. Canada stopped in in yeah. the late eighteen fifties. It sort of closed down. Mm. They probably had it all 
filled up. It's all gone yeah. at that stage. Yeah. That stage. Yeah. So. And Tommy, sorry, now I know we're jumping from one thing to yeah. another, but to get back to Holland's Quay and, and the, the boats coming in and out, was there any, I mean, there must have been a lot of employment there. Were there a lot of local people from the White Gate Montana area employed on uh, those boats <coughs> or at the harbour or anything? A good question because I have a photograph here of, of a steamboat. Okay. And, and it'll give okay. you an idea of... of oh, uh, wow. Of, this is just a gorgeous uh, photo in black and white. There are 28 or 25 or 26 people on that on that board so it did because you had to have uh, it took about they had to have turf to yes. keep the steam oh, going oh of course yeah and it took I think around 250 tonnes of turf per month or 120 tonnes of coal per month to keep the steamboat going of from Killaloo to Banner and back again so I left Killaloo at 9 o'clock in the morning. Right. And it was an hour, 7 o'clock and a quarter by 7 in the morning. It was an hour place at 9. And it was in Portumna, then in Antip and her, And turn around in Banner at 1 o'clock and come back again. So, so, so you would have had people employed just doing that yeah. alone? Uh, you would, yeah. And, and people then will... You had to supply the turf. Yes. Someone had to buy turf to keep the thing going. I'm yeah. sure Eamon yes. Ryan would love to hear this, That's wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to worry about him anyway. We still had the turf. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, would the turf have been, you know, when would the turf have been put on the boat? Would it have been put on the different areas? Like, no, would any have been loaded in Whitegate to use? Probably Killaloo. Probably they'd okay. fill it in Killaloo, I presume, and in Banner again, and yeah. keep the supply a turf. So that would keep them going. Yeah. So um, so you would have had a lot of staff on the boat then, with, as Trish yeah, is well just doing on, the turf there and that, there are three or four staff there. There might yeah. be a few shore people. Probably three or four. If they were unloading and unloading uh, goods, uh, they had to have staff to unload it. Yeah. Because uh, everything came in. Everything went from pigs to... And a lot of things went to Limerick then. Okay. On yeah. the way back. Along with the passengers, yeah, to, to uh, when they were going to Ballinair, right. going okay. to be the train when they start. To, but then, in the, when the famine came, the Irish people started to go on. You're Probably right. nearly after the famine, the, the main, the main number of people, because in a, in an O'Grady said uh, uh, an American, um, an American historian said, in America in 1870. Now the first generation had gone in the 1840s, 50s, 60s, yeah. in the 1870s, there were three million, he estimated there were three million Irish immigrants in America. Really? Yeah. Gosh. Oh so, well, that was two generations, I suppose. And you know the way you're saying they used to come, you know, from um, Killaloo and then they'd go on to... Um, to to Banner. Thank Portumna, you, Portumna, Yes, Banner. Banner. I yeah. couldn't think, I was going to say awfully Banner. Was there set times and set days that these boats went? Yeah, one went you know? down Friday, one side of the lake, and and Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, the other side of the lake. Okay, yes. yeah. and, and set times? Uh, set times, yeah, okay. set times. And now, uh, town about our key in Willemstown, why there was there are four keys, there are four harbours now in Willemstown. Okay. Yeah. And you don't see it coming through Waikid, you don't even know the lake is down there. Yeah. And because... We are sheltered. Uh, we are sheltered from the south southwest winds. Yes. And the steamboats could leave Dublin 
and come to Banagher and get and change the boats there and come down and come to Willemstown and because they could hug the western shore all the way down. Oh, okay, yes. very sheltered. Yes. Yeah. Very sheltered. But then when they came to there, they had to face the 10 mile or 8 mile of a stretch of water between Scarif Bay, Scarif and Drummondier or Luska. Oh, okay. So they'd have to stay there and yes. wait. So yeah. that's why there was Nutgrove Harbour, there was Hollands Harbour, and then the steamboats were doing so well in 1838 35 or 36 they bought five acres of, of land a uh, couple of hundred yards down from Holland's Key okay. and yeah. decided they'd build another steam station no. there from themselves right. they wouldn't yeah. have to rent it so there's where the Willemstown Harbour, Harbour came, came in, in. Oh, oh, yes. okay. yeah. Yeah. and of course you've, you know, you've mentioned there it's so sheltered like a lot of people don't know that Whitegate is on the lake at all they associate Montana with Montana. the lake but like Williamstown is such an undiscovered area it's just fabulous down there I suppose all the tourists now will be flocking tomorrow but it's, it's well, isn't tomorrow get to know your <coughs> county day or something yeah, but they can go to Williamstown free it's not going to cost them there's oh. the most beautiful now I know your your harbour is private and there's probably one or two others private but there's a public harbour there as yes, well now and yeah. it's beautiful yeah. lovely down there yeah, yeah. And there's Drumay, Drumay Harbour it was developed a couple of years ago uh, there wasn't it around 1979 or the beginning of the 80s that Drummond Harbour was developed. Oh yes, but yeah. didn't they do something there with Williamstown Harbour a couple of years ago? They did well, it up a bit. I it think, has changed. In Williamstown Harbour, no, it's a council had nothing to do with that. Okay, it's private. The steam company uh, built it in the. Uh, it was bought and five acres was bought in eighteen thirty-five or thirty-six. And but it, and there's a big pier that's a hundred yards of a pier. And there's a harbour. There's a storehouse. There was a hotel, and there was a maid's quarters. Right. Oh. Uh, it no. It was a big place. Yeah. Oh yeah. How long it took them to build that? Gosh, yeah, uh, that time. Yeah. That time, I don't know. God, that's a big. A big it thing never to take start, on. It yeah. never sort of took off. Did it not? No. no. What was the reason for that? Good question. I don't know. Mm. They still kept coming into our harbour okay. and didn't go down there. Yeah. And it was leased in, in uh, because that was 1835. I don't know many years with horses and cars or yes, how they, of they had no diggers yeah. at that time to no. dig yeah. harbours or dig big piers. It was hard work. So wasn't hard work. in yeah. 1880, it was leased uh, to Perry's. Perry's, uh, they had a uh, Perry's Ale, they were from, I think, Banner as well. Okay. And then it was bought later on by Major General William Spencer Cooper, which is a completely different story. Right, altogether. okay. His life That's another, a, day, yeah, another day. Another day as well. <laughs> but, Tommy, you would say to people, like, if they do come to Whitegate, you know, don't just go down the street, have your lunch in the half barley or whatever, take a trip down. You can go down several ways of getting yeah, to, to there's Williamstown. Two, there's, there's, yeah. uh, well, there's two ways. There's a uh, road to the right, just at the Nightingale. Yes, uh, yes. Public house. And then you can come back by the school of the Ash Three. Yes, yeah. of course. And you can yeah, turn, it's two turn. miles down either way. Yeah, roughly. So and you the, can even the, do the, the circle, go down one day and up yeah. another. Yeah, yeah. down yeah. one way and the other, yeah. up and down. And you can look across at Gary Kennedy, Drummondier, and the Devil's Base, uh, or uh, Kilbarn, and up as far as Terry Lass. Yeah. Oh, it's a lovely area it's down lovely there. Yeah. Down there. Like there's, there's house on the left, there's house on the right, but it's all, <coughs> you know, it's all in keeping with the area, isn't it? Would yeah, you agree? It is, yeah, yeah. A lot of holiday homes. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. yeah. But uh, some of those holiday homes are there for longer than I can remember. The same houses are there, aren't they? Oh, they are, they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, there's a few families that are there for generations and then yeah. foreigners come in and, yeah. and 
they saw a, lot, a lot of them have local connections. Yeah. But it's lovely even to see, I mean, some of your own have come back and built there as well. It's lovely yeah. to see the locals coming back and benefiting from living in such a beautiful area, isn't it? It is, yeah. You it's, know, rather well, it's, than it's, have it's important, yeah. It is, it's of course, to keep the locals involved, yeah. yeah. But it's great. Yeah. You're still, you still have access to the local, you know, your New Shannon Airport. And yes. Well, yeah. 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 Well, then my great-grandfather... Uh, my grandfather was MP Holland and his father was Pat and there was a Pat before that that didn't change names which make it complicated. <laughs> they, there was so much trade on they became auctioneers and corn merchants. Okay. And I have proved that. So that says about all the corn that was shipped out yeah. in yes. 1864. Yeah. So it's unbelievable. So the same amount of quiz was there during the famine in 1845. It had yeah. to be. But do you want to tell us about this receipt that you showed us, um, Tommy? You have it there as well, I'd say. The amount, the, the value of it that was shipped. The amount of it, it's unbelievable. I'd love to know how it would be in pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2,078 pounds worth. That's phenomenal. In that, in that time. Uh, and just, just said in the receipt, amount shipped for the year, shipped for the year ending January um, 18, up to Friday, up to January 1863. And it was two thousand and seventy-eight pounds. God, that's a lot and of money. To put that, money that time. to put that in perspective, uh, Patrick Holland, my great great grandfather, one of them anyhow, hired a Davy Minogue, and it says Davy Minogue commenced his work on the eighth of December, eighteen sixty-four, at the big priceless sum of four pound per year. Oh my God! Per year. Yeah, and. Uh, but that may have he been was a lot paid. Of money he that was time. paid. He was paid a shilling and four shillings and a shilling. And the second of May, he went to the Scarif races and he got a shilling to go to the Scarif races. And the second of May, he in '64. And the following year, he hired a Willem Larkin in 1865. And he's and uh, there was inflation then, six pound per year. <laughs> <laughs> he got a rise. <laughs> And he went to the Scarif races. I see what he got going to the Scarif races. That's the way he was paid. Uh, where is Scarif races there? And uh, uh, Scarif races. He got two and sixpence, which oh, was a half yeah. crown. There was two and forty pence in the pound at that time. Right. This is all money now. He might have had a good yeah. win at the races, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got uh, uh, cash to go to Nina. Well, all the shopping in Willemstown and around Wyke at that time was done to Nina. in Nina. Yeah. Nina. Nina, yeah. because everybody had a lake boat yeah. or most people had yeah. boats. Yeah. And Travel across. It was the M5, it was the main thoroughfare of the... And you would often hear, I heard my own father used to often say that they used to go to the dances in a boat, they'd go across yes. to Gary Kennedy or whatever from Wyke. Yeah, even my you know. generation went yeah. to the Marquis. Oh yeah, they always went to mm. Port Road to the... Mm. There was always a dance hall in Port Road. Yeah. And uh, there were, well, there was more than dances in Hatch because that time you couldn't have a drink in your local public house. <laughs> you had to be a, three miles from home before you could <laughs> really? have a drink. Yes. Okay. And uh, you, you had to be so a traveller. You, <laughs> you had to be a traveller to get into a public house to have a drink. It was Sunday. Okay. This was you every Sunday. Local, yeah. And it couldn't be local. So they all went across to Drumnear and, yeah. and uh, Gary Kennedy. To have and there were travellers there. And most of them stayed for the dance that yeah. night in Port oh, Row. And back in the Port Row. And then in the 60s, up to the 60s, there was Marquis yeah. and Drumnear. And of course, and there was no drink driving then. They were quite able to come back in the boat. 
Well, there was no the, care. Yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah. The drinks in, but they all got back. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. They all got yeah. back. Yeah. Because somebody went with one of the Ameses one time across to Gary Kennedy of Asunda and uh, the, went to the dance that night, yes, the three and two Ameses. And I forget the man's name, and they went with them. But uh, it blew a storm Sunday right. night, yes, and they stayed in Porto and they stayed in Porto Monday. And they had no sign of coming home. They didn't want <laughs> to come home. Time. <laughs> but on the Tuesday or Wednesday, our man decided he wasn't going to stay any longer. So he walked home from Port Row. Go away. And of course, all the locals were were jeering him and asking him, and yeah, when was he going imagine. to when was he going to Port Row again? Yeah. And all he said to him was, "A temporary dog will never bark at me again." <laughs> <laughs> God. Well, Tommy, you're a font of knowledge. Really, really, I think there's another well, day in this because yeah. I think you've lots of information. It's lovely to have all the receipts and all that information, isn't it? Obviously, well, your family were very good to keep them all. That's what I. That's why I got interested in it when the receipts were there and we saw all the things that yeah. happened in it. Yes. And they used to sell pigs, and even pigs went down to Omaras. Everything we sent apples. We had an orchard and had a commercial orchard, as well as the harbour. Mm. And the apples went down and and uh, teaches packed them into yes. teaches and yeah. go to Limerick to be sold. Go away. Pigs went to Limerick yeah. to be sold. And Pat Key and Mount Shannon and Bernard Toohey and Goose mm. and my grandfather were agents. And people would bring pigs and they'd stamp them. And what agent were you going to the? Yeah, yeah, go pigs. away. Yeah. Gosh. Listen, Tommy, it was lovely having you in. Yeah, and just Jim Collins just wants to say yeah, something Yeah, just before here Tommy now. goes, mm. I, the, the, our secretarial staff have been working hard here and they figured out that £2,000 in 1864 would be 321500 now. Wow. Wow, Tommy. Yeah. So yeah. that's just... Oh, well, there must be on double time today, our secretary. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing so well. Or else there was a loose end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jim. Thanks, thank Jim. you. Listen, Tommy, thank you so much for coming in. It has been such a revelation because a lot of us don't know half of what's going on in the area. And really, I think there's another day in it because I think you have an awful lot of information here. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, there, is, you know, there is yeah, another... I definitely think there's, an, there's another day. Another Pat interview. It's hard to... To tell the story because we jump around yeah, and, there's so and, much. Yeah. and there's so yeah. much and, yeah. and, and to put it together in rotation is hard. Yes, yeah. yeah. And to keep it, you know, you know, interesting and that people understand the times were different then and yeah. as to what was going on. Yeah, you know. yeah. Tommy, thank you very much. No we problem. appreciate you coming in to talk to us no and problem. we'll talk again. Thanks thank very you. much, Tommy no. Holland, local historian. Thank you.